your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your favorite podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. Your boy, John, some sports guy Hickman, super happy about today's episode. Why? We have the opportunity to talk to one of Houston's radio local legends, Seth Payne, who also played for the Houston Texans between the years of 2002-2006. That'll be a fun interview. Cannot wait to discuss his expectations, what he believes Anthony Weaver uh, uphill battle will be, how does he feel about Jack Easterby, and more. In a very interesting conversation, question rather, about J.J. Watt. So we're going to dive into all of that. But of course, before we get to that, the fun interview with Seth Payne. Cody, mm. it's 2020. We will have Deshaun Watson under contract until 2025. Let's go. He signed his extension, $111 million guaranteed, yes, sir. 170 overall. Yes, sir. And the highlight of the entire day, mm-hmm. the video that you know really made a lot of people weep up. And his mom and his family and Dabo and so many people in Houston's PR department did a very good job of putting this video together. But so many people who have either supported or helped Deshaun Watson throughout the years were able to come on a video and congratulate him. And he broke down in tears. We have our quarterback, the first quarterback in Houston's Texans history that I feel collectively as a city, as a state, wherever you're located, because Texans fans are in Mexico England, everywhere, that you have faith that this man could possibly bring a Super Bowl ring to the city of Houston. I'm so happy to say that this brother got his contract well-deserved. He'll be making uh, north of $39 million per year. Like I said, $111 million guaranteed. There was never any doubt. There was never any confusion. We knew Bill O'Brien. We knew Jack Easterby, who deserves a lot of credit for what he has done uh, this offseason, when we look at the contract that Houston, the Houston Texans have, you know, the players that they signed over the last year, we know that Larry Tunsil got his new money. Zach Cunningham, Whitney Merciless, Nick Martin, Bernardrick McKinney, and now Deshaun Watson. All of these guys will be very important to the Houston Texans to go further than what they've been before. And I got to tell you, I'm proud that the Houston Texans were able to pry this man away from New England. But more importantly, I am proud to say that Deshaun Watson will be here another five years. I'm expecting a whole lot in that five-year span. First and foremost, congratulations to Deshaun Watson. And, you know, just watching him in that press conference, man, just shows the human side of Watson. Because, I mean, hell, he's an athlete, a really good damn athlete, I might add. And, you know, sometimes we, we don't look at these players as human you know we sometimes we might look at someone who is just as good as Deshaun Watson as some type of superhero or something like that but you know to see him just get so overwhelmed full of emotions I mean he was already starting to tear up when he saw his college coach Dabo you know even Justin Verlander who I did not know him and Deshaun Watson was really good friends by the way you know I didn't know that but you know he was already starting to tear up and then just watching his family in his hometown 
showing their love and appreciation towards him, congratulating him. Somebody has said along the lines of congratulations, man, all that hard work, dedication that you put in over the years has finally paid off. And, you know, that sentence right there really stuck to me because everybody who was on that video call saw all the hard work that Deshaun Watson put in before we even knew who he was leading Clemson to a national championship, you know, and I'm just so happy for Deshaun, but John, just like I said last week, the moment that man signed his name on the dotted line, the expectation for this team is going to take off. You are no longer the team that can get away from just getting to the divisional round of a playoffs. You are no longer a team that has gotten chances after chances, not getting to the AFC championship. Deshaun Watson has won in high school. He has won in college. And the man say he wants to become the very first player since Joe Namon, if I'm not mistaken, to win on all three levels. So we're going to see what these next five years is going to bring. But as of right now, it's just time for celebration and <laughs> Like he said, his mom told him, the journey to a Super Bowl championship starts on Thursday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, sir. You guys do not know how excited I am about this Thursday night football, baby. Also, I want to say I gave a shout out to Jack Easterby. Shout out to Kevin Krajovich on nailing Deshaun Watson's contract as well. These two guys, Kevin and Jack Easterby, they worked tirelessly along with general manager, head coach Bill O'Brien to get this deal done. We knew it was going to happen. A perfect contract for, I'm not going to call him a perfect player because nobody in the NFL is perfect, but a perfect quarterback for the Houston Texans and their offense. Again, proud to say number four is going to stay here in Houston. We all knew it. Now the dotted line has been signed. All of that being said, and Thursday night football around the corner this season, like I told you guys earlier, get your football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. So none of that other flack that you don't care for. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all of the action, all of the football you can handle in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You can also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from players' perspective as they break down game concepts and techniques. Learn from your Houston Texans star Deshaun Watson, or you can learn from Stephen Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archives. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cody Davis Johnson, sports guy Hickman here. And ladies and gentlemen, as we mentioned in the first segment, we have a very special guest here on the show today. And first and foremost, guys, let me just say, if you live in Houston and if you are a sport fan i am pretty sure you guys are familiar with his work he used to play for the houston texans now you can catch him on sports radio 610 every monday through friday 6 a.m to 10 a.m please welcome mr seth Payne. seth what's going on my man and welcome to locked on texans hey i, I really appreciate you guys having me on man i appreciate it 
<laughs> no problem, no problem. You know, ever since we were little, we've been listening to you on 610, man. And, you know, it's a blessing just to have you on today. So, um, what, what, year did you guys, what year did you guys graduate high school? Um, I graduated high school in 2011, and I think oh my John graduated in, in in 2010. I hope oh. we're not making you feel too old, man. Yeah, no, no, don't worry. There's other stuff making me feel old, so that's that's just <laughs> compiling. That's just uh, that's just adding to the whole uh, pile of things making me feel old. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, first, first and foremost, before we get started, how are you and your family doing? Doing, you know, what has been a crazy year for just about everybody. We're good. I, you know what, I think. I think like everybody kind of follows like kind of a curvy wave through this thing where you have your ups <laughs> and your downs. And I think we, about a month or two into it, we kind of just started realizing, all right, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we've always wanted to focus on around the house or on each other. Like my wife and I just working on our relationship. Um, you know, not that we ever had a rocky relationship, but you know, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta cultivate relationships. And I think, um, with, with our child, the same thing goes, we've just tried to, Right, or try to take some of this spare time that we realize we used to just be wasting on stupid stuff and just start focusing it towards the stuff that matters. Also, I've I've I, I gained 20 pounds and then I lost 40. So I'm down 20 from where I started in early March. <laughs> okay, okay. That sounds good, man. That sounds good. So um, you know, Seth, you know, we're gonna bring you on today, of course, talk about the Houston Texans and then later on talk about your time with the Texans and just being part of this journey, watching this franchise grow from where it was when they started in 2002 and where they are today so you know but you know but of course before we get into the, all that man i just want to get your opinion as a former player you know we are a little over 24 hours since the texans made some roster cuts um to get to that 53 man roster point so as a former player how nerve-wracking is it for any player um who might be on the bubble of making a team but they know that that decision can go either way it's uh it's kind of surreal you know, and it's, I, I suppose it's kind of that same drama that when you're in high school and you're trying to find out if you made varsity or trying to find out if you, I don't got a lead in the play or something like that, except the difference is that if you didn't make it, then you're probably going to have to move and that you might have to get a real job or you're just going to have to shift everything around. Uh, and for young guys, especially, you're just so clueless. You know, a lot of the rookies, a lot of the rookies that, maybe you think should see it coming that had no chance of making it a team really don't. And, and most of these guys remember have never really had, most guys have never been rejected in that athletic sense. So a lot of rookies, mm -hmm. this is the first time in their lives, you know, they got a scholarship to a big school. They started within a couple of years. Uh, maybe they get drafted with a late round pick or they're, they're free agents. And then all of a sudden they're being rejected from a, a, a football team. It's like getting, you know, picked last at the playground. And I, and I always feel for those kids because it's such a, you're so close to your dreams and then all of a sudden you just have the door slammed shut in your face and, and some guys obviously make it and some guys it's, it's it for them. You know, Seth, I got a really quick question. Over the past 12 months, we've seen a lot of roster changes. We've seen shocking trades. We've seen players released. We've seen David Johnson swapped out for DeAndre Hopkins and, and the entire city of Houston really pissed at Bill O'Brien, right? And, and, and some of those trades kind of work out for him. Jadavion Clowney, I give him kudos for what he did with that. It did not work out with Seattle. He's just now signing to a team. Um, but how impressive has Jack Easterby been since arri arriving to Houston 
and being named the executive vice president of football operations back in January. I think it, I, it'll be impressive, you know, obviously, if this all works out. Um, I think the the biggest thing that I've seen in maybe in a way that you don't traditionally see when when somebody comes in and says, oh, we're going to change the culture or we're going to do something differently. For one, it's usually not a head coach who's going into a seventh year where all of a sudden you have a culture change. And this isn't a, a wholesale culture change. But I feel like it's a refinement of the culture that Bill O'Brien has wanted and that Jack Easterby is helping him hone. This will be the challenge for Jack Easterby. Um, I think I think he and Bill O'Brien are presenting an image and a vision of what they want in their football team. And that's a really good thing. The hard thing, though, is to be that motivational speaker and that character coach that you were when you were in New England, when you're also the guy that's coming to guys and saying, hey, we need you to take a pay cut or we're trading this guy that everybody else likes. That's a really fine and delicate line you have to walk. And I think Easterby knows all that. You know, the more people I talk to uh, and, and you ask people, how the heck did this guy who was a minister five, six years ago end up as basically a co-GM with Bill O'Brien? And it's simply that he's very, very intelligent. You know, he has a lot of other character qualities, but he's very, very intelligent. So I think that is... As you say goodbye to guys like DeAndre Hopkins, as you say goodbye to guys like Jadeveon Clowney, which I, you know, I'm still very ambivalent about. I think the I think the key is that the guys that are on this team right now are being made to feel like, hey, you guys are the right kind of guys. You're the dependable, tough, smart guys. Like you're the chosen ones. And that's how you create a culture and manage to get buy-in is if you make guys feel like this is a special place to be. And the, the one thing that's hard to do above and beyond, you know, Easterby being the tough love guy that he'll have to be at sometimes is just, look, unless you're the New England Patriots and Tom Brady is your quarterback, you generally in the NFL to win the Super Bowl have to have a few uh, a few knuckleheads on your squad. <laughs> like, you got to have a couple guys traditionally that might not fit the mold, that might be off on their own schedule a little bit, but they're so freakishly talented. I mean, that's just life in pro sports sometimes. Um, but I think that's changing and more teams are trying to get away from that and trying to do it with complete and total buy-in. So I, I applaud the experiment. It's just that, man, you made a lot of drastic moves and they're right out there on the edge. If it fails, people will just pile on. If it, if it succeeds, then it's it's kind of revolutionary because they really bucked the trend from what everybody thought a, a GM and a head coach should do. You know, one thing that you mentioned that was very interesting to me was just going to guys and trying to convince them to take a pay cut. Next year, J.J. Watt makes $17.5 million in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> and we've, we've analyzed rosters, players, you know, criticized the rumors of DeAndre Hopkins one or more, criticized Jadavion Clowney, criticized Dwayne Brown. We've criticized a lot of guys. But going into next year, and this year it means a lot for him, depending on how many games he plays and how productive he is. But are the Texans going to ever consider, in your opinion, do you think they should, whether or not uh, he should reconstructure his contract? Because $17.5 million next year, and you've only played a handful of games in, in, the, uh, in the last four years, that's a big problem to me. I think it's it really all hinges on this year because, you know, if J.J. can't stay healthy this entire season, then you're going to be talking four out of the last five seasons where if he misses substantial time this year, then it'll be four out of the last five seasons. And I think the ultimate Belichick move there, right? And it's not even really a Belichick move. It's just that the the cold-hearted business decision at that point would be 
that you got to figure something out with JJ, either a reduced salary with an extension, or maybe it's time to part ways. I don't know. Two years ago, he was all pro, you know, he had 16 and a half was a 16 and a half sacks in 2018. It, it was a different type of 16 and a half fine. sacks than earlier in his career. Um, but I think if he has a good season, then you just say, all right, well, look, we got a guy on a non-guaranteed contract for one year. And if he turns in a kind of season like he had in 2018, they'll keep him. If he gets injured, I think they'll talk to him. Seth, real quick, man, I, I have to ask you this question because <laughs> we get asked this all the time. What was your initial reaction when you found out that the Houston Texans were trading DeAndre Hopkins? And along that same lines, do you now understand the move a little bit better now that we saw Laramie Tunsil and Deshaun, especially Deshaun Watson, get those massive contracts? I Okay, when I first heard the news, I, I think just like everybody else, you're checking your phone to see. I, I thought for sure it was some kind of a hoax, you know, yeah, or a fake account. We had just had the discussion because remember John Mc, oh Peter King had put it in Monday morning quarterback mm-hmm. that morning or was it the day before? It was actually he, that morning. It was that morning and people were mm-hmm. calling out Peter King saying he was just looking for clickbait and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, I had put it up as a hypothetical the week before about like the craziest thing. Like what would they trade DeAndre Hopkins for? And I think we settled in on a maybe a, maybe the lowest price would be a first round plus two second round picks on a player or something. So when when the deal came through and then the details of the deal came through and it included the, the David Johnson part of the contract, I honestly... I started physically shaking like and I in a way that I don't know if I ever have before. <laughs> like, and it wasn't anger. It wasn't it wasn't anything else. It was just almost disbelief. Um, and I felt that way for probably a good 12 hours. I think uh, I've worked on my anger over the last few years. I think I've gotten a lot better, but I was pretty angry for a good solid 12 hours there. Um, and but then, you know, what happens over time is you get used to an idea and everybody on the outside of Houston is still piling on. And, and with good reason, it makes sense, I guess. Um, but I think that if you look at what the roster looks like right now, and if you forget about what the actual value of the trade is, mm-hmm. you look at that offense and man, it's a hell of a lot faster than it was before. You know, it, it, there's more speed at running back. There's more speed at the wide receiver position in general. I think Kahali wearing, if he gets productive time this year is faster at tight end. And regardless of how you got there, there's a lot of stuff on that roster right now. There are a lot of pieces that are going to make defensive coordinators really nervous. And I was talking to um, Stanford route today about that. And as much as guys like Deandre Hopkins or Anquan Bolden, as great as they are as receivers, they, they do their damage. They don't do their damage as quickly and as lethally all the time um, as somebody that's just flat out faster. If you have a, a group of wide receivers, it's really fast. So, and, and he was saying in a way that he was very much talking about how DeAndre is just an incredible wide receiver. And yet, if you look at this offense now, there are certain elements to it that are just much, much faster. I guess my question will always be, okay, but salary wise, could you have added some of these pieces? You know, if you didn't take on DeAndre or if you didn't take on David Johnson's contract, uh, you damn near could have had DeAndre and Brandon Cooks, um, Randall Cobb in a more reasonable kind. I think they could have signed Randall Cobb for less money. But then the question is always, all right, but is DeAndre going to be doing what he's doing in Arizona now, which is not practicing a whole lot? I, I just there's. There's more that went on behind the scenes that we'll never be completely privy to, but where I'm I'm starting to understand and get what Bill O'Brien was thinking more. 
You know what, Seth? I want to talk about something real quick. Now, we know that you played five years here in Houston, but your career overall is 17 and a half sacks, 250 tackles, two forced fumbles. I want to talk about a defensive lineman, and that's Anthony Weaver, who is a former player turned D-line coach, now turned D.C. In his first year, he's had no real offseason, no rookie OTAs. Can you describe the type of uphill battle he'll have this season going into the very first two, three games you have? The Super Bowl champs, the MVP, and then maybe possibly a rejuvenated Pittsburgh Steeler with Big Ben coming back. Yeah, I think that, for one, there's still a lot of questions in the secondary, right? And, you know, part of that last Kansas City game was due to injury. But some of it, it you know, remains right now. There's just uncertainty just about how good Gary and Conley can be, how good Lonnie Johnson can be. And I've got no doubt that Lonnie Johnson has improved, but we haven't seen him against a single non-Texans player since the Kansas City game. So I think the hardest thing for Anthony's got to be game planning for this, this Chiefs offense, which remember we were just saying about speed. Uh, they got a lot of speed. So you're game planning for this offense in Kansas City, and you don't really know how much you can trust Lonnie Johnson. You know, they're speaking so many great things about A.J. Moore, and I'm hearing awesome things about A.J. Moore, but he had 20, 30 snaps on defense last year. He really just doesn't know. I think I think as far as terminology, I think as far as understanding which guys he can trust to not make mental errors, all that stuff, I think he feels pretty good about that. But when it comes time to dial up a blitz and you're not quite sure how much you can trust the guys playing man defense on the back, that's where it's going to be. That's where he's probably going to get uh, – he's going to be a little bit tense until he settles in. I'll say this. I believe the secondary uh, will be better this year simply because I trust that they'll be healthy. Last year, Gary Young Conley was terrible for Oakland. Came in Houston was a reverse of what we saw. He, you know, it just seems like if he was playing Uno, a skip, skip, reverse, and it just came back to where he was before he was <laughs> drafted to Oakland. I think he's in a much better situation, uh, defensive scheme, and I think we can trust him. I also believe, well, I know we can trust Bradley Roby. It's the third cornerback. Who's going to play that nickel or who's going to be that third dependable corner uh, for Houston that I have a problem trusting? We drafted Lonnie Johnson in the second round. And like you said, the last time we saw him, unfortunately, he had to go up against the best tight end in football, which that isn't fair for anybody. And so I look at the secondary as a – of course, they have the opportunity to grow. And I, I told Texans fans, do not fret over the first two or three games. They didn't have offseason, and it will be difficult for anybody to go up against Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson, and then uh, Big Ben. And so, but I think moving forward the rest of the year, I think the secondary will be much improved. However, what roles do you see rookies Ross Blacklock and Jonathan Gennard, uh, who's currently nursing a hamstring injury, having on this veteran defensive front this year? I think uh, I think Blacklock's going to play a good chunk. And I, he just has all the traits. And that's what that's what we've seen on the defensive line is, man, they're going after a little bit more speed, a little bit more quick twitch, right? For like for a long time, I felt like, man, the Texans are building this defense to be really good in 1997. Like they got all these guys like Angelo Blackson. I like Angelo Blackson. I like Brandon Dunn. I like Carlos Watkins. So those are my kind of guys. Those are big run stuffing three, four defensive linemen. I just don't know how much you can focus on building a run stuffing defense in the modern NFL and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So they they bring in um, they bring in Blacklock and, you know, they tried to time, tried to sign Timmy Jernigan. They brought in PJ Hall, who's a really quick twitch guy. 
they do that because they want to get guys like black like on the field um so when it comes down to you know semi you know second and seven especially uh and then obvious passing downs like third and ten blacklock's going to get his chances to be out there i think amenny hughes is going to make a big leap forward this year too um as far as grenard goes i like grenard a lot just his film in college also todd grantham was his defensive coordinator at florida he was my position coach with the texans so i know todd um and have a lot of respect for todd and todd just gushes about how mature Grenard is, how much he picks up on concepts. Um, I think he has a very good football IQ. So when he does get healthy and he has a chance to play, I think he's going to assimilate pretty well. It's just a matter of, all right, are you, when are you going to be healthy this year? Hey, Seth, before we let you go, man, I just got to ask you, how was it playing with the Houston Texans during their inaugural season in 2002? And what's it been like just watching this franchise grow from where they were on that very first game all the way to where they are today? It was a really, um, it was a life-changing experience playing in Houston, just because for one, from a football standpoint, you know, I grew up in upstate New York where we, we played football on Saturdays, or at least we did when I was in high school, Saturday afternoon instead of Friday night. Um, they find they modernized a few years back. Now they play on Friday nights, but it, you know, never, never with a lot of fanfare. And then I went to a smaller college. Then I went to Jacksonville where we had some really, really good teams, but it's a smaller city, you know? Um, and it's more of a college football state in general, Florida is. So when I got to Houston, uh, it really blew my mind. It felt like I'd arrived in the NFL and, you know, you're going out to restaurants and you're getting meals comped for you. It's just, it's a whole different level of attention and the level of knowledge and how much people care about pro football was just like, unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. So being in that environment where we, you know, the expectations were just people were just happy to have football back. So when we beat the Cowboys, so many people to this day still tell me, like, that's all I wanted that first year was just beat the Cowboys. It didn't matter after that. <laughs> and, like, every time we won a regular season game, it was like we'd won a playoff game or something. Um, that was – it was just a really unique environment. I think to play on an expansion team – it's one thing if you play like in Charlotte where there had never been an NFL team, or if you played on an expansion team in Jacksonville, there had never been an NFL team. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different deal to come onto an expansion team in a city like this, where people were just, they knew pro football and they were craving pro football. And it was like, it was like a homecoming, even though I'd never been there before in my life. So uh, <laughs> that, that part was awesome. And then, you know, watching over these past almost 20 years now, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm a fan. It's just, it's frustrating at times. It's, it's exhilarating at times. It's been, oh gosh, I guess I've been out for 14 years now. And I've just, you know, over these last few years, really come to terms with the fact that I'm, I'm more civilian than I'm ever, than I am football player. And I just kind of, I, I enjoy just living and dying with the victories. You know, when you're a player and you lose, you you get over it pretty quickly because you have to. I kind of savor and enjoy losing on Sunday and then being miserable until Thursday. I feel like a, I'm like Pinocchio. I've become a real boy. <laughs> you know what, Seth? I do kind of remember an epic rant of yours. Uh, your your epic rants was it was it on uh, with the radio? It could have been a few different ones. The ones the most, the most notable ones, I think, are uh, Rick Smith is never going to get fired because that got turned into a couple of mi uh, musical renditions. And uh, <laughs> which <laughs> which I'm still kind of shocked. I'm still kind of shocked that Rick Smith isn't. Well, of course, he didn't. I mean, he had an awful, awful, tragic situation. Um, right. 
there was uh i had my dust up at the super bowl with josh ennis uh there was oh, that man, that was you know what you kind of made the city proud <laughs> josh is all right we did, josh josh and i butted heads about once every two years so my last question is you have to sit through david carr and then the matt Schaub era brock oswaller so many different quarterbacks and to see deshaun watson who broke down in tears get his contract extension and you know Houston means a lot to him. He means a lot to Houston. For the next five years, what are the expectations for Deshaun? I think that he's at that level, right, where he's either going to win a Super Bowl or it's going to be a disappointment. You know, you look at look at Aaron Rodgers right now and think about even with that Super Bowl victory, and I feel awful saying this, but in some respects, people feel let down by Aaron Rodgers' career because he only won one Super Bowl. That's pretty damn impressive, winning a Super Bowl. Um, But I think Deshaun is that kind of talent, right, where it's not a matter of if he's capable of doing it. It's can the right people be around him? Can he stay healthy in a year where they're poised to win the Super Bowl? Can he do that? And frankly, I'll be surprised if he doesn't. I Look, people love cliches and they love talking about you know the right stuff and who's a winner and who's got it and it's it's really hard to ever put your finger on it I'll just say that in all my years of playing football I was never I played with some great great football players but I never played with somebody who checks off as many boxes Deshaun Watson does and including and I think maybe the most important one is that he's not just a supremely gifted football player but he just he doesn't command respect he commands trust like the players on the field trust that they're always in the game if Deshaun has the ball in his hands um they trust that Deshaun is going to do something special and do something that others can't and and it's a rare thing in the NFL to have somebody quite like that and it's I, I try to explain to everybody when they ask about him just how how different and rare a type of guy he is so it's just it's been really cool to see him grow and develop over these last few years. And then I'm, I'm a little angry at the Texans PR staff for putting together that press conference. Cause I was, I was crying by the end of it after, by the time, let's see what we, we had uh Dabo, we had um, Justin Verlander. And then uh, he had the young man that had cancer that he'd worked with that came on in his high school coach. And then when, uh, when Deshaun's family came on, I was balling. It was, uh, it was as close to balling as I'll get these days. It was really cool experience. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. around the time my allergies started to mess up too, man. I, I don't know what was happening. I was sneezing, sneezing and sniffing everywhere. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, Seth, man, you know it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And um, you know, real quick, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter? I'm pretty sure if they're listening to us and following John and myself, they're already following you as well. But well, to the uh... small percentage, that might not be. <laughs> At, at Seth C. Payne on Twitter, you can listen on Sports Radio 610 from 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, we'll be doing the pregame show this year, too. I think I think I might be doing the pregame show from the stadium. So I'm excited about that. Mm. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you so much, man. And um, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Hey, I appreciate it. And, guys, keep up the good work. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. To, people don't appreciate how hard it is doing a daily podcast. That takes commitment and dedication. So keep it up. I told you guys about Built Bar, how great Built Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. 
The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. Guys, as you heard me and Seth talk, you know, I asked him how was it for a player who might be on the bubble of making a team roster to be a part of that 53-man roster, how nervous it might be. Of course, I asked that question because we all saw this weekend the Houston Texans solidified their 53-man roster, and there were, I think, a total of 16 to 17 players. Some of them, like Jonathan Orms, later on signed to the Texans practice squad. And, um, you know, we, we, we're going to save most of this talk for tomorrow but John, my boy Kiki Cutie made it, man. <laughs> I'm excited. This this gotta be his last chance. But you know, real quick before we get out of here, John, um, who were you most surprised that the Texans released? I'll say this. Uh, I think the most surprising cut, um, which by the way, I will say the Texans, we're clear about three and a half million dollars in cap space with the cuts of Greg Mance and Angelo Blackson. Uh, I think those are the two surprising cuts. I look at Greg Mance as a, as a player who's a pro and has gotten playing time before he's a backup. He can play multiple positions on the interior offensive line. And I thought that they'll keep him around just in case, but I look at Angelo Blackson and I was probably surprised most by him. Uh, simply because I thought he did more than what Carlos Watkins did. And I do not have a personal beef for Carlos. I think he's a, you know, he's going to be a player that the Texans obviously want, but he played along 40% of the defensive snaps last year, Angelo Blackson. And I was, that's why I was surprised that he was cut overall. I think the biggest surprise, and then I have to backtrack my words uh, was John weeks, but then again, they cut him only to bring him back. The Texans terminated the veteran long snappers contract, but it was a precursor to uh, them trying to re-sign him quickly. So it was a move to bring him back at the right price. But overall, I think Angelo Blackson was a player that I really thought would be here this year simply because of the amount of playing time that he got last year. And I looked along the lines of the defensive front, and I thought that he was more valuable than, you know, one of the guys that they kept. But, you know, kudos to Carlos Watkins and also – Angelo Blackson uh, should land back on his feet very soon. But with all that being said, that concludes another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. John? Some Sports Guy Hickman, you can always follow me on Twitter at Some Sports Guy. Well, I will say you may not get a lot of Texans talk Maybe a little bit more entertaining talk. So Cody is actually the guy you would want to follow for Texans and Rockets. Every now and then I sprinkle in my two cents and tell you exactly how I feel. But I tell you what, follow Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. You know why today's Monday, the madness before Thursday. And I was very disappointed that Houston didn't take an opportunity to look around the league and get some of those guys uh, that was cut and, you know, 
on those waiver wires and pick up some of those guys. But obviously, they feel like who they have on their roster gives them the best chance to win. And you know what? We're going to find out Thursday. I'll be watching the game with a beer in my right hand. Well, a beer in my left hand and a notepad in my right, watching the game, expecting to get more of what we want. And that's explosiveness. So I can't wait until Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll be talking about the Houston Texans. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.